This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from Sports Radio 810, WHB, our flagship station here in Overland Park, Kansas. I love doing this show with you every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. I've been here for 22 years at WHB. I'm in my 32nd consecutive year on radio here in the Kansas City area. And as you know, our shows are podcasted everywhere. We go on all the apps, on my website, winnersunlimited.com. And on uh, SoundCloud, uh, where I've been listened to now, I found out over over 310,000 times our podcast has been listened to all over the place. So I love doing this show with you because we talk about mindsets, attitudes, sportsmanship, mental preparation, positive, negative attitudes. We talk about coaching. We talk about what, what sports is about. You know, why do we play sports? Play to have fun. That should be the number one thing. Go have fun. Win or lose, success or fail, beat somebody, lose to somebody, set a personal best, whatever it might be, to have fun. I've been privileged enough to have worked with athletes in my 42 years of work at all levels of sports, from the Olympic team, professional teams, down to collegiate, high school, and youth sports. I've seen coaches who've been wonderful people that I've worked with, and I've seen some coaches who, quite frankly, have been some total jerks. There was a Major League Baseball manager who I was affiliated with once who wanted nothing to do with me because he thought it was stupid to have a psychologist there, which quite frankly showed how stupid he was in my opinion. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But coaches are people. They have feelings. They have emotions. They make mistakes. They are successful. They fail. They have issues. But the number one thing a coach should do in my opinion, is be a good listener to the people they're working with. You know, I always talk about a, a, a good coach is a, is a good listener. A good coach is a good communicator. A great coach is a good listener. Great coaches take the time to understand the athletes they're working with, why they're doing what they're doing, why they're not doing what they're not doing, and try to help them get better. If you've been listening to our show the last couple of weeks, you know I've been talking about abusive coaches and we had a mom on a couple weeks ago talking about her son is a 17 year old baseball player who has the owner of the the baseball the club baseball team who coaches a lot of the time uses f-bombs with these kids gets angry at them when they make mistakes throws fits 
And I'm sitting there thinking, this guy has no business coaching. I was saying a good coach takes his or her ego at the door. You know, that will impact that young man for a long time. He's been working with me on this. And fortunately for him, he's got wonderful parents who get it. And he understands now it's not him, it's his coach. But this will leave an impact on him. So why do coaches do this? Coaches are people, just like the rest of us. They're not perfect. But if you're going to take the time to coach kids, when you're going to take the time to coach adults, you've got to understand who you are, why you're doing it, and, and the people you're coaching, who are they and why are they doing it, and how can I work with them in a positive, constructive way? There's an individual who's joined us this morning. His name's Mitch Lyons. He's calling us from back east who has something called end abusive coaching. And I've followed him on LinkedIn. I've been watching some of the things he's been talking about, and I thought it'd be great to have Mitch on the show. So he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Mitch, good morning. How are you doing? Great. Good morning to you, and thanks a lot for having me on. Well, you're welcome. So tell us about what's going on with you. How'd you get into this? What's end abusive coaching about? And let's let's start talking. Uh, I got into this uh, quite some time ago because... Uh, I was looking for something positive to do to offset being a uh, an attorney. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Very... Are you saying being an attorney is not a positive thing? Negative. <laughs> Negative to practice, except if you're in certain fields. I wish I had gone into a different field and trial work. But in any case, uh, I would coach, and I have a great love for basketball uh, and have played, unfortunately, until I was 65 years old, two or three times a week. And uh, it was, it was and nothing could replace it, let me put it that way. Um, so I got into it because I started a, with 10 other people, started a, uh, a, a community league for girls. My daughter is now 44, but at the time she was watching me play and she was playing on her own and there was no girls league in our town and this is sometime after like over 15 years after Title IX, but there was still no girls basketball uh, league here and we started one and the first year we had 400 girls show up. That's great. And that, yeah, that brought 80 coaches and, uh, you know, among the the founders of this, uh, I volunteered to be head of coaches, started to read about sports psychology. And like many uh, good, uh, but maybe, as you put it, not great coaches, uh, you could look at sports psychology and a lot of them say, oh, I do that, I do that. Oh, good, I do that. You know, And you're like a teacher in a classroom. There are some that are just natural at it and really good at it. And... Um, uh, I thought to myself, why are, why are aren't we teaching this in public schools, in high schools? And um, my daughter and both my sons were point guards and captains of their the uh, large high school here in Newton, Massachusetts. And my daughter had an emotionally abusive coach. Okay, uh, tell when, when you say emotionally abusive, tell us about that. Well, um, emotional abuse is, you know, demeaning, uh, verbal chastisement and intended to embarrass. 
I find that it's also a cover-up for coaches who don't know how to coach. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, and 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 and, and they're going to your podcast. Yeah, and they're going to sit there and and say stuff because they're really projecting about themselves. But that's a whole other story. We won't go going at. But anyway, go ahead and finish what you're saying. So um, uh, I I organized uh, some of the parents who knew what was going on. I mean, she, she was there for quite some time. And um, they let her just continue. That's one of the problems with schools uh, in terms of uh, us versus them mentality. Um, uh, and us is the schools and them are the parents. Uh, and so they cover up rather than say, you know, admit, we, I don't really have control over the situation in sports. Uh, and anyway, uh, we organized, and finally, after about, I don't know, four months, we finally, there, she was asked to leave. Uh, that She also a teacher in that school. But she was... After four uh, months, so what, excuse me, Mitch, so why did it take four months for this to happen? I was at, well, one is, she was some, really cemented into that role after 16 years. And I uh, was so comfortable with her power that she would demean the kids right in front of us at a halftime. We could all hear her yelling and screaming, you don't deserve to wear the uniform, all that stuff. Um, and, um, and she had the typical things that bully coaches have. They have their favorites, and then they have the ones they pick on. Um, so honestly, I told my daughter, you, this is rule number one. Never stay in an abusive relationship. Um, and, uh, we, you have to just quit the team or she's got, we have to make a move to go. And if we do that, there'll be her favorites will be picking on you. Uh, but my daughter's a uh, strong willed. And she said, no, I want to play basketball. So we finally, um, uh, uh, after the season, why, that's why four months, um, we began to talk to the, to the um, principal. What, what grade her, was she in at this point? Uh, well, I think it was, uh, yeah, the 11, she was a junior. Junior, okay. High school junior. All right, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And she had played a lot. And travel teams, and I loved it. It was a way for me to talk to her, but without directly. <laughs> so it, um, it was a, a good experience uh, coaching uh, for them and me, and we're all very close right now. And uh, but the p- point is that when I went to speak to the principal, he said, "Why aren't you going to the athletic director?" And uh, we said. I'm not sure why we're coming to you. You've allowed this to go on for 16 years. You've heard it. You know it. And, and what was his... Was, okay, so, was, Mitch, what was his response when you said that to him? You have legitimate concerns. Let me let me see what I can do about it. I mean, he's a, he was a good principal. So, that's, what's, that's what's so incredible is how we all accept this norm 
even educators when we know it's wrong. Let me let me let me interject here. So did sure. did she coach winning teams? No, not particularly. Were they successful? I mean, were they I mean, not su- even? No, they were comp- they were competent. All right, but but they weren't they weren't like, like ne- the Red Sox right now. <laughs> hey, hey, you're in Boston, only Kansas City. We're not going to talk about baseball. Um, that's a whole other situation. Look, um, so the situation yeah, came ahead. down to this: you you went in there, you had the guts to go in and say something. So what happened? Not just me, not just me. We had other people there. Right, but so what happened? Yeah, so you went in and said this is the principle. So, so what, what the, occurred? The first rule of advocacy is find allies. So uh, that's what we did, and he got rid of her. I mean, she was angry about it. It behaved like she does when any parent would come up to her in a very sarcastic, abrupt manner. What, you're going to tell me what to do? That's the kind of voice she had. Um. Uh, it was a terrible situation. But since then, I've been contacted, especially since the beginning uh, this work, um, by many parents who feel the same way. So, so excuse me, let me interrupt you here. So you went in, got the principal to become aware of this, even though he, he may have been aware of it, but he had to confront the situation, so he got rid of her. All right, so... What did this do for you in terms of getting in, involved with end abusive coaching? How did that, that take off for you? Well, first of all, I was already involved in coaching in a bigger way as soon as I got into it. Uh, I didn't play high school ball, but I played a lot of pickup ball. And um, once I got into uh, playing with these D3 players uh, on a regular basis, I just I took to it and I wanted to coach and I was in coaching uh, in that coaching all the time that my kids were were growing up and I've coached in every league that kids play in meaning a community league as I just described a travel teams uh, within that community league AAU for eight years boys basketball. Um, high, six years in uh, girls' high school and two more years in boys' high school. And then I coached in um, Division Three at LaSalle University. Uh, okay, so yeah. so you're, you're, you have a lot of experience. And I was always, I, I want to clarify, I was always an assistant coach because I was a lawyer a lot of that time and I couldn't be All right, so. Coach. Nor do I have the talent for it, honestly. It's very difficult position. We're going to go to our first break here in a minute, Mitch, but I want, I want to ask you. So you got involved in this uh, coaching because you love kids, wanted to help. Okay, you saw your daughter being coached by an abusive coach who had, and see, you, you hit it on the head. She had power. Okay, and that's that's, I think, one of the biggest things that a lot of Athletic directors, club directors, whoever they may be, will have a hesitancy about getting rid of somebody about is because they have power. There is a basketball coach here in town. Uh, excuse me, a volleyball coach. Well, a volleyball coach. There's, there's both. I can talk about there's a volleyball coach at one of the private schools here in the Kansas City area who had power. And parents complained, but they kept her. And, and finally, this past year, 
there was sort of an uprising, and they said, this is enough, or all these kids are going to quit, and they finally told her she had, to, she had to resign. And she then threatened to sue them, which didn't happen. Okay. But what was going on, the abuse was there across the board, verbal abuse, uh, insults, not playing certain kids because she didn't like the way they, they looked or things like that. So when we come back for our first break here, I want to talk, talk about your program and abusive coaching, what it's about, and how we get this to stop. Because this is an issue across the board. It happens at every level. And you hit it right on the head, Mitch. It's about power. It's about power and control. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is, we're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm talking with Mitch Lyons of End Abusive Coaching. We'll come back from this break, and we're going to get into this. Why do these people have the power, and why are people afraid to say something? And we're going to go from there. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. Give us a call. Let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City, and today I'm talking with Mitch Lyons from End Abusive Coaching. He's back on the East Coast in Boston. So, Mitch, let's get into this whole thing about the power coaches have and where it's a problem from your perspective and what can be done about it. So, so tell us, you, you got involved in all this because you're, you're seeing yourself with your daughter's high school coach, the way she was being abusive. You confronted the principal and they got rid of her. So let's start with this. Why do you think so many people are afraid to confront coaches? First thing I want to say is that uh, it wasn't just me. It was we. And, uh, and as I said, so I, I don't want to misstate things. Uh, why they have that power is historical. Because high school sports took college sports in the late 1800s and uh, adopted their model which is all powerful coaches and voiceless students. This has now been institutionalized as part of sports. It's an old-fashioned system, but it was uh, very uh, predominant then uh, in the late 1800s that there had to be only one general. And the whole idea of sports is like war and we go to battle, uh, that was derived around that time. Don't forget we're talking about a time when... War was uh, um, commenced uh, for the most ridiculous reasons, but people in charge uh, uh, would create these large armies, and people were really thinking about war at the time. And um, by doing so, they created you have to this command presence, uh, and that was the general or the superior officer telling his troops what to do. And that was the way it was approached, especially uh, in the most uh, really violent of the sports at the time, which was American football. Um, And that just continues. And in 1903, the New York City schools established uh, the uh, Public School Athletic League, PSAL, which is still around. And uh, it adopted that model and that. For the next 120 years until today, we are still coaching under a model that was meant to train boys to work in factories when obedience was an attribute. Blind obedience, I'm talking about, was an attribute. Uh, 
I'm not saying that coaches should not have power. They should have power during the game because somebody has to make split-second decisions. And, of course, it has to be just – it can't be by committee. There can be no discussion. So, but during the rest of the time, which is most of the time, is practice. And that's where we're still a coach-centric system. And what we have to do is step back from that system, look at it, and say, what's missing? I often liken this to a stool. It's a two-legged stool, very unstable, as we can see, um, uh, of uh, powerless, uh, uh, powerful coaches and voiceless students. And, and it's always, it, there's always the rogue culture that uh, is, uh, does something that you talk about regularly on this podcast. Uh, so the idea is to take that and relook at it and say, what could do better? Well, first of all, we could pay attention to your profession. Sports psychology is the science on how to achieve the most we can. Let me but let me let me jump in. Let me, let me jump in here real quick. So, I agree with everything you're saying, but but let me let me tell you a little bit about my career. I'm in my 42nd year of work, and when I started, Mitch, when I got out of grad school and moved back to Kansas City from from San Diego, I interviewed it for the small uh, NAIA schools at the time about seeing if they'd be willing to hire me uh, to work with their teams. I'd done my internship at San Diego State with the tennis team and gymnastics team, had tremendous success with that. The athletic directors, all four of these athletic directors that I interviewed with had no interest. In fact, one guy, after we were done, was had a cape, threw it over his shoulder and said, I don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft, sir. Thanks for the time, but we're not interested. Throughout my career, I've encountered this repeatedly, okay, from coaches, uh, general managers. They don't see that they've never seen the value. They've been they're threatened by people like uh, sports psychologists a lot of the time because they don't want somebody telling them what they're doing incorrectly or wrong. Now, I've worked with an incredible number of great coaches, and I've shared their names and the experiences on this show forever, but I've also had a bunch of them who who were, were were jerks? I mean, they they were manipulative. They were controlling. They were liars, um, and they weren't honest people. And they hurt the people that they worked with. And I'm talking about not just high school, college, and and professional too. I mean, I have a saying, Mitch: a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a support psychologist. A coach has to understand their athletes psychologically. And it, it, it should not be about the coach. It should be about the athletes. But when it becomes about you, the coach, you've lost the perspective. Let me get your thoughts on that. Well, I totally agree with it. There's no guide for coaches. Uh, uh, so each one does their own thing. If you have 32 teams in a high school, including JV, etc., um, you have 32 different messages you're giving out. Because each coach has, it's like a fiefdom. It's public education, that's my argument. There should be a curriculum, and it's based in science of achievement. And there's like two, three of them uh, right now that deal specifically with it. The first and foremost is sports psychology, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I started this work in 2001, 
and um, the I know what sports psychologists were going through at the time, uh, but things have changed. Well, and then, and Mitch, that was 21 years after I started, excuse me, 22 years after I started working. So yeah. you got to realize I, you know, I'm no, in my 42nd year of this. I mean, this is the problem is today, you know, mental health and sports is a hot topic. It's become a right. hot topic the last four or five years. Prior to that, yep. it was poo-pooed. People made fun of it. People said, oh, you know, we don't need a shrink. Come on. What do you think? We're crazy. Come on. Um, and a lot of this is the control and the power issue. So tell us about what end abusive coaching is about. Why have you set this up? Or what's it about? And what's the purpose of it? Well, it's just a continuation of my work. I, after uh, starting this work with GetPsychSports.org, um, and then EndAbusiveCoaching.org is an initiative of that 501c3, Get Psych Sports. I started the Social Emotional Learning Alliance for Massachusetts because someone said to me when I was re- reaching that stone wall that you had uh, that nobody wanted to, this idea of a curriculum was ridiculous. Uh, I started to advocate for this another science of achievement, which is an educational process called social-emotional learning, which has gotten a lot of press recently. Um, uh, But what it is and what it teaches is not only about relationships and emotion management, but all of the skills that are in sports psychology are affirmed uh, by social-emotional learning, which came much later than your profession. Um, uh, Even though teachers were teaching it, uh, it, it didn't have a name, and this name, for good or bad, was chosen, Social Emotional Learning, or SEL. And this alliance teaches basically sports psychology, and my theory was that if schools did this, the superintendent could turn to the athletic director and say, how are you fulfilling the mission of this school? And, of course, there is no mission of the athletic department. I mean, they have a generalized statement, but... <clears throat> There's no running theme through all teams. So some teams can have a coach who's understanding and empathetic and tries to create a safe and supportive environment where the axiom is people learn faster and perform better. And that's so true that states have, like Massachusetts, has a safe and supportive framework for schools. So because that's where they're going to learn faster. Well, the same is true, of course, in teams. So what we're trying to do, I, I file, we filed legislation, the Senate Majority Leader in Massachusetts has filed legislation to get our Department of Education to offer an alternative to the 1903 model, uh, one that is based in science, both sports psychology and social-emotional learning, which, I, again, I say is um, pretty much identical, except in measurements and how how things are measured. But... Other than that, they're teaching these same skills. If we had a curriculum, and the main thing that went through every single uh, uh, team was first set the environment where people live. And I know you te- you, you went, you've advised about this for the past 40 years. Let's create this environment where people are creative, collaborative, uh, enjoying themselves, don't have fear of saying something that will become humiliating or embarrassing. Uh, and especially with kids who feel that intensely, um, that uh, fear, 
uh, create this space, and then everybody plays better. The fun that is in the top of your show uh, uh, that everyone seeks will be there. Uh, we don't like to lose. Nobody does. Uh, as I say, I played till I was 65, a very competitive person. I love competition, but I think in a healthy way. I don't get mad at a person who was playing against me or anything. Um, but I really uh, feel like we could be teaching something way better than the abstract, random, laissez-faire uh, things that are going on all within one school. So let, 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 totally... Let, let me interject here. This, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Mitch Lyons from End Abusive Coaching back in Boston, Massachusetts. We're talking about coaching and why there's, there's issues with this. And so let's let's get specific, Mitch. So you've got sure. a volleyball coach at your school, okay, who's been coaching for 10, 12 years. And it, it, let's say it's, it's, it's a woman, and she's – Maybe had success, maybe made it to the state championship a couple times, maybe won, uh, has had competitive teams. But continually, there are kids complaining about her coaching style, about how she's demeaning, how she's insulting, how she gets angry when kids screw up, um, benches kids, plays favorites, um, and verbally, it can be verbally abusive. Okay. So you let's say you have this this volleyball coach. What what should be done? What can be done? Because my whole thing is, I always talk about for the athlete. This is at the high school level. Well, high school kids are old enough to say something, and I always encourage them. They need to go in and have a meeting with the coach, and talk about how they're feeling, what's going on, the way they're being treated. And of course, a lot of them won't do because they're scared. And if that doesn't work, then I suggest they have a meeting with their parent, with the coach, and talk about it. And if that doesn't work, then they go to the athletic director. Okay, so let me get your thoughts. Well, I agree with your advice uh, totally about it, um, and uh, that that's the process that should happen. Unfortunately, defensiveness becomes a regular thing, and uh, they don't want, they either don't acknowledge that things are, or even the kid might be made fun of um, for being, you know, uh, you know, speaking uh, up. This is the, yeah, for speaking up. And uh, they are, um, they're left with a choice of find, uh, what I would do, and I have done, is find allies first. Find people who agree with you. Then when you go in uh, you go in stronger, but you've got to ask your children permission to do that because they're the ones that are going to be on the firing line. So you've got uh, a coach. Again, so let me I, so let me ask you. So you you do this, you go in, you the 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 athlete says something to the coach first doesn't work. They go in with their parents doesn't work. The athletic director doesn't work. Then what? Mm-hmm. Do you quit? I mean, you know, where what happens yeah, then on, when you on. when you have an, the, the situation where it, it's not being confronted or dealt with? All right, if you're being abused at home, what do you do? Right. I'm going to turn it around because abuse is not something that is stagnant. You cannot let it stay. It's, and I don't have to tell you. I mean, it ruins people's lives. I mean, their whole lives, not just for a few minutes, 
And uh, so as a parent, you want to protect your child, understandably. Nobody is listening to you. So you either say uh, you're not playing that sport anymore. Why would you want to go into a case which makes you upset and irritable and stressful and anxious and it's affecting your health? This can't go on. Yeah, well, so, they, okay, okay, but the excuse is, yeah, but it's my, but it's what I want to do. I want to play in college. I, I, I'm not going to switch schools, so I have to put up with this. All right, so that's, now you're you hear about that excuse, right? That, yeah, that's one percent or two percent of the people because most kids know they're not playing in college. I mean, ninety-eight percent of them know. Right, I'm but I'm talking about. But let's say, let's say it's a it's a kid who thinks he can or she thinks she can. Okay, you're right. Most aren't going to. But let's say that's one that thinks he wants to and has the opportunity. But this coach is this is, is, is going to be right. In this so particular case, I, I, if you wanted to play, I'd look for AAU, where most college coaches go, and see the kind of play you can have. And a lot of kids at AAU don't even play their high school sports. Well, but a lot of kids, a lot of kids, though, Mitch, they're at, they're in high school. They want to. They want to be there and play in the high school team. They don't want to not play in the high school team because then it's like, well, why aren't you playing on the team? Well, because the coach has been abusive. Okay, so let's say you've got. Let's just specifically get into this. You've got a coach who's being abusive. Okay, it's it's like I've said. If if a coach gets angry for missing a shot, if you're in calculus class, does the teacher yell at you because you got a question wrong? I mean. Coaching is about teaching, right? It's about learning. It's about directing, instructing, helping. It's not about insulting. Now, we're not talking about behave, bad behavior. We're talking about, you know, making mistakes. So your whole thing is communicate, talk, confront, right? That's what you're, that's what you're talking about here. Uh, you have to speak up for yourself, of course. I mean, but they're not given permission to, which is why the system itself is bad. And that's what I'm working on. You asked me what I was working on. There we go. I'm working on the system. We're working on the system itself that allows this to happen without a curriculum, which is a guide. And that students know what to expect, that everyone should be reading the curriculum. I mean, in many classes, they list the books that they're going to be working on. Well, this is about some major themes that should be on every team. And the first one is create positive and safe and supportive and encouraging environments. And if that were the case, these negative coaches, these angry people that put it, uh, you know, all of their anger onto kids, uh, they will soon be gone because if you have to evaluate based on how well they did, like every other course in school, the academic, this is extracurricular. That's the problem. It shouldn't be because there's a science that grew up all around sports from 1903. Sports psychology grew and it showed us how to achieve, which is now being accepted much more, as you say, just recently. Uh, and that's what we should be teaching science. The rest of school, all of school teaches uh, up-to-date knowledge to the best of their ability, not sports. We specifically reject teaching that way. Yelling at a child is anti-science. They're well, teaching yeah, anti-science. I, you're, you're, listen, you're, you're, we're, we're, taxpayer dollar. we're talking the same language here. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We need to go to a break here. I'm talking to Mitch Lyons for End Abusive Coaching back in Boston, Massachusetts. 
If you'd like to join us, we have a question for us. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. We're talking about abusive coaches. We come back in our last segment. We're going to talk about how to be proactive, how to deal with this, and what to do. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB, here in Overland Park, Kansas, Kansas City area. You know, I'm here every Sunday morning talking about the mental side of sports. Our shows are podcasted everywhere, and today I'm fortunate enough to have Mitch Lyons on with me from End Abusive Coaching back in Boston, Massachusetts. We're talking about his philosophy and why he is into this stuff, which I'm into, which is helping kids have fun. Sports supposed to be out of having fun. I work with pro athletes. One of the key things I always talk about, go have fun today. We, I work with uh, pro, professional soccer players, our professional uh, women's team here. Talked with two of the players last night, texted before the game, go have fun tonight, and they did. We won 3-1 to one last night, so they had fun. If we'd lost, maybe they would have had fun too if they played well. well so, so let's go back, Mitch, to this. You've got a high school coach who's been there a long time, who's been successful, meaning they've won one. Maybe they've won a championship. Maybe they've made it to the state championship games. Maybe they didn't win it, but maybe they got there. But they have a reputation of being hardcore, being somewhat of a jerk, somewhat condescending. Okay, so your 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 whole philosophy here about you know education, teaching the right way way to coach and all that. I agree, but it's not happening yet. So what do right. we do? What do we do then? What do you suggest to the parents of the high school athlete? And this is an athlete who's on the team for whatever reason. Maybe they're good enough to play in college. Maybe not. But they love the sport they want to play. But they've got a coach who's a jerk. So what do you say? What do you tell them? Well, we, I think in the last segment, discussed uh, the fact that uh, you can't stay in an abusive relationship. So uh, either, I love the coach. I love it enough to damage myself. That's not a healthy philosophy, in my opinion. By the way, this is not my philosophy. This is science. <laughs> Your science, actually, the one you practice. It tells you what I think is kids ought to know about that science. In a, uh, uh, I think the emphasis on winning is fine in the pros and even college ball. I'm not just getting into that. I'm saying in high school, public education funds or taxpayer funds and they should go to educate, not just to play games, and that winning is not the important part of public school athletics. What's important is teaching how to succeed in the process of what you have to do to put yourself in the best position for winning. That's what we should be teaching in public high schools. I agree with and, you. I agree with you. Listen, I agree with you 100%, but that's not the situation Across the board, it is in certain situations. Well, right. But so, but you've so you've got this coach. I mean, you're saying quit. You're saying quit the team. You're saying get out of the I'm abusive. Saying, you're, it's abusive. Get out of it. And I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But a lot of people aren't going to do that because they want to play. Well, of course, of course. I mean, a lot of people are going to uh, do terrible things to themselves. I, I I hate that they do it, but they do. 
one of those horrible things that they're doing is allow themselves to be abused. And also, they're not the only ones, because if that, if that player turned to another player, do you like this? No. And then turn to the third player, do you like this? No. Now you're getting lots of people quitting the team. That's one way to call attention to it. You can't do things alone. This is what I'm trying to do right now. I'm appealing to your listeners to do things that they can do right now. Go on uh, endabuseofcoaching.org. This is a nonprofit in the truest sense. Nobody takes a salary here. Um, and see the legislation that we filed because you have a legislator, whether senator or a state rep, uh, and show them this legislation, which is not a mandate. It doesn't tell anyone what to do, but it offers an alternative to an archaic, anachronistic system uh, that has the situations that you're describing. shouldn't happen, and it should be like in every school, but instead we've normalized yelling at children. We've normalized it. And we have, uh, maybe I can't help your listener right today about what they're going to do, but for the, but I'm a systemic person. I look at systems and see what's wrong with them. And it's clear that what's wrong in the system is there's no guidance for coaches that people are evaluated on. Okay, okay, but here, but here's, here's the excuse, but here the, I'm, listen, I'm with you 100%. But here are the excuses. Here are the excuses, okay? Well, we, we don't have anybody to replace him. Or, you know, she's been here a long time. She's won championships. I mean, come on. They're, they're, some kids have to learn to toughen up. They've got to learn to toughen up. They got, you know, they're, they're, they're all weak. They're, they're, we've got helicopter parents out there complaining all the time. Okay. You're going to yeah, hear so that type of stuff, tough. right? You're going to hear that. So what's yeah. the answer? Have heard it. Yeah. So, uh, life is going to offer them plenty of challenges. When I was 16, my mother was killed in an auto accident. I didn't need to toughen up. Oh, I'm sorry. By some coach I didn't even knew. So that is, but that kind of um, mental issues, especially today after post pandemic, uh, you have kids that are really delicate. And yeah, that's right. And I don't agree with the philosophy of quote tough love. There's nothing, there's no love in that, in my opinion. Some people need a kick in the ass. Well, are they going to be there when the kid gets to work? Is the boss going to kick him in the ass? No. Absolutely not. He's going to fire him. <laughs> you have to self-motivate, and that's what we should be doing, teaching kids how to motivate themselves. And one of the reasons is to bring kids into the process, that the kids set up the values of the teams. The kids set up the punishment other than the state associations. Uh, the kids decide what the consequences are so they learn about decision-making and problem-solving because nothing is a simple answer. I did this, I've done this with teams before, uh, and the coach comes in and he has no expectations. He welcomes them, and then he asks them, I'd like you to go turn to your person next to you and ask, what do they value in a teammate? <laughs> and it's incredible, the answers to that. They come up, but the coach, the smart coach, is saying that's what uh, that's what we're going to do. This is your team. You want to create the system, uh, this uh, process where uh, kids uh, are really loyal to each other, have each other's back, and all of the stuff that would go into what I love about a good teammate. And we're going to make that happen. It's your team. Well, immediately when you give people this permission. 
that it's their team and you have them start designing practices for you. You really get them involved in the process. And when you do that, they take ownership. And when they take ownership, their motivation increases. Well, you know, I I co-authored a book with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. Our fourth chapter is Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And we have that in there because I don't care who you are. I mean, we have the greatest quarterback in the world here in Patrick Mahomes. I'll do respect to your yep. f- former quarterback. No, there. no, I, I, well, I'm not, there's no respect now. All right, anyway, anyway. Um, but Patrick Mahomes throws interceptions. He throws incompletions. Uh, he yeah. moves on. I mean, the, the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, who I, I, I work with several Chiefs players. I don't know Patrick or Andy, but however, watching them from afar and hearing about how they are from the players I work with, Patrick Mahomes is the type of guy who has learned from failure and doesn't let it bother him. He grows from it. Andy Reid, the same thing. A good coach learns that they're going to screw up, they're going to fail, and they're honest and they deal with it. Well, listen, Mitch, we've got to wrap the show up today. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? How can you help them out? What what can you do to help people out if they're interested? These podcasts are listening everywhere people are going to get a hold of you what what would you suggest how can they get get in touch with you i hate to use john kennedy's quote here but it's not that at my they would be much better going to you for help in regards to their individual needs than to me what i'm asking is that they actually join this crusade to just stop the insanity that we have read about in papers, uh, and that's the old course, only the physical and sexual abuse and violence. Uh, but behind it, in every high school, go to any high school athlete and ask, what's your, uh, who's the coach you don't want to play for in this school? And that's the person we're talking about. And it's in every school, almost. I'm not saying every school, but almost. And uh, with what they they should go on endabusivecoaching.org. You'll see our addresses there. We have a sports psychologist in Texas on the on our uh, group, as well as a former athletic director. Um, I'm a coach, and we're and we have m- many supporters and friends. And we ask you to write us, join our mailing list, uh, and then when we gather the voices, there's a tell your story section on there that's anonymous. Nobody will ever know uh, who uh, wrote it and. Uh, we call it because we take out names or anything like that uh, that's identifiable. But the stories are all there, and they're starting to pile up now uh, one by one, and we get these uh, people saying, yeah, this happened to me, and this happened to me. And we get that kind of voice together. If we work together, we can actually uh, stop this by offering an alternative. I wish sports psychologists, honestly, would write a curriculum for high school teams uh, so that they say, this is what you could be teaching regularly on a daily basis, and it's not rocket science. Well, Mitch, I want to thank you. How about being nice? I want to thank you for joining us today. This has been a fascinating interview. I agree with you, obviously. I wouldn't have had you on to talk about this in in the way we're talking about it, but I want to thank you for joining us today. And, you know, you're going to get feedback. You're going to hear a lot of comments from people listening to our podcast, so thank you so much. Hold on. I'm going to talk, talk to you off the air when we finish up here. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. You know, our shows are podcasted everywhere. Go to my website, winnersunlimited.com. I also do a Facebook live show every Tuesday evening 
from 7 to 7.30 Central Time. It's the Dr. Andrew Jacobs Sports Psychology Hour. Check it out. I'm going to have a great show this week. We're talking to a couple that has a program in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, about making sports fun and safe. I'm sports psychologist Andrew, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My office number is 816-561-5556. Website's winnersunlimited.com. Take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next Sunday on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.